we're talking in this series about building professional identities, and you can build a professional identity in many ways. My guest today is James McNally of Wiresmith Tech, who has built a, a very uh, specific professional identity by developing high quality measurement systems that demonstrate and validate systems in, in scientific and engineering R&D. I hope I got that right, James. Can you uh, tell us a bit more about your world? Yeah, that, that's pretty bang on. So uh, I tend to be working with uh, engineers and research and development departments um, where they are developing new products and they need to measure something around that product. So we, the, for example, I, I worked with one company called Elantra who developed a novel compressor design. And so because it was new, they need to prove ultimately to their customers and to their investors uh, and their engineers need the feedback that it is giving the benefits that they, they claim it to be. Um, or another company uh, is with quantum detectors who are on the scientific side of things, developing detector technologies and being able to uh, iterate and develop on that product so it's more and more useful for their end customers. Okay. So what are the typical issues that, you know, that's happening for them that, that tells them they need somebody like you, basically? The hardest thing is keeping up with the technology. <laughs> um, so it's, it's always moving at a fast pace. There's always new things to do. Uh, and there's an awful lot of choice. Um, I mean, you know, even if you simply start with the idea that you need some, some software developed, okay, well, you've got dozens of languages, um, different people promising different things out of uh, their products. So it's very hard to identify what provides genuine benefits uh, and what kind of you can just put time in and get nowhere. Right. So they'd be bringing you in quite early then, I guess, in the in the design or the, the architecture process. Yeah, exactly. So so very often, uh, especially if it's obviously it's a brand new product or uh, that they're working on, often they'll come and they'll say, you know, they have they know their their own domains. They'll say that we know, you know, on this compressor, we need to measure the flow rates here or the pressures here. We know it's a lot of data, <laughs> you know, often it's, we've sort of heard about this, this language lab view or, or, or these particular products that your name is associated with. Um, where do we go? <laughs> well, we come to your approach in a moment, but you know, what's the most common, what's the most common mistake or, or pitfall, or if you like, that organizations make when they're when they're tackling these choices and tackling these issues i think often it's a, a rush to get started that the, and not stepping back and taking some time to deliberately um, analyze and design the problem in hand so you often you can end up with um very often underestimating the challenges, especially in developing something that's reliable. It's very easy nowadays with the software packages available to throw something together that'll work. You know, if I press the buttons in this sequence <laughs> and the numbers kind of come out right, but um, the interesting thing with measurements is numbers always look like numbers. So it's, it's actually going and looking at the whole system and saying, have we got the right combinations of things to, that we can really trust what this is producing? How did you get into all this? So I actually started out of university with uh, a vendor 
in this area called National Instruments ONI now. And um, I was working in their support department for four or five years. And I kept seeing um, these customers where, where exactly this, they knew exactly what they wanted to build. You know, they, they were experts in the field. It, it wasn't questionable that, that they um, didn't know what they needed, but they had been given this idea of getting stuck into some of the software themselves and, and exa exactly this, what they tended to find was when they started needing to build these systems to be more reliable, um, it's, you need experience with the software, you need experience with knowing how to put it together. So I set myself up really so that I could work with these customers. I get the, the pleasure of learning from them about what they're building <laughs> and I get to help them getting the soft system design and the software development done uh, really well. Now you have at this stage, you know, you've been independent for a while. You have quite a, a mature, shall we say, uh, customer base. Um, what, um, what kind of challenges, uh, if you like, what kind of personal challenges did you have in order to get there? Because, you know, going out, becoming an independent, particularly in this very, very specialist space, is, uh, it's quite a big step, particularly if somebody has worked for large organizations before. Uh, what kind of self-worth challenges did you face in order to, to make that leap? Yeah, it's, it's been really hard. I mean, I think that the, the first thing is um, trying not to, well, not even trying not to, you get very integrated in technology with your identity of, of what the technology is that you do. And it's taken me some years to, to try and elevate behind that and say, you know, never mind the technology. Like I say, there's loads of technology options. What are the actual problems that, that I can help people solve? Um, and, but building on that, you know, there's no one at that point to come out and tell you, here's a path to do that, <laughs> um, or, or even to validate that, you know, there's no one going, here you go, you know, employee of the quarter, like you say, at a big corporate, you're, you're on the right track. <laughs> um, it, it's a lot of trying to gather feedback and, and trying things out and, and seeing what's going on. It's a very different mindset mm. to, to being in a corporation and, and it's, has to be a lot more intrinsically driven. Uh, if somebody was starting on that road today, you know, as a particularly in the in the high tech area, um, and in many ways there is a certainly in the UK there's a boom in this uh, in this uh, technology uh, sector at the moment. Well, what advice would you give to somebody who is starting out as an independent in that space? Try become really customer focused on what they need at the end because it's so easy to get bogged down in the technology and spend your time chasing it or, or doing things because this way is a bit more interesting way to build it but actually you know the real benefits that 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 you can give to customers especially over you know other people in, in similar areas there's an awful lot of people who do just want to sit and build software but if you go to them and actually can discuss the overall problem with them and and start make you could, then you can make suggestions you can not just be have to say oh, i'll build this this then this but you can say well, what if we build it this way or what if we build it that and you can become so much more useful to your customers and it's just much more engaging yeah, yeah indeed let's go into that a moment because um i know from discussions we've had before and work I've been doing that for for many years 
engineers and, and technology people um, generally love love their content, <laughs> right? Um, but what you're describing here is how important it is to get into the customer context. What kind of questions do you ask customers um, on a on a first meeting or early on in your in your engagement with them? It's really trying to understand what the um, the the biggest steps we need to make first are. I, I think that's often quite an interesting one. You know, you, you'll go out and you'll get this vision for two or three years of development or what needs to do its like. And you know, one of the first things I find really useful is is taking that and breaking it down and say, okay, what is the hard, what's the hard bit? What's the risky bit? What's, you know, why have you called me <laughs> basically? Uh, um, and that really helps you get that context of, of where they see the challenges. And of course you may see them differently um, as you go as well. Um, but just being, you know, really curious about the wider context i think is what served me well it's it's i've been lucky from the start i think i've been naturally quite curious mm -hmm. about these things so it's asking the daft questions around um you know it's normally the why question it's like, okay you want me to build this why you know what's what's going on around this why is this uh, the measurement that's of interest or um you know why do these set of customers want to see it in this format instead of that format and slowly out of that you, you get a much better sense of the the operational and the business context on top of the technology which is you know you might turn around and say well, well hang on scrap why you've called me uh, and i've had this conversation with customers before um, i had one customer who came in and they said oh you know we really want to start being able to do some some ai on this and, and we need to capture all this data <laughs> we want you to capture data so well hang on before we spend three or four months building this sophisticated data capture thing, you should probably go talk to a data scientist and make sure what you want to end up doing could actually be done. <laughs> and I guess the potential to capture unlimited data yeah. now is, is ubiquitous. Yeah. Yeah. One of the things I've learned more recently, all of this measurement has to end up informing an action. Otherwise it's, it's, you know, that that's the end goal of measurements. It's not just to get, yeah, like I say, collect everything into a big vacuum. And <laughs> well, what is the end goal usually? You know, is it is it to get investment? Is it to uh, prove reliability? What's what is the end goal? It's generally about getting um, a customer. Uh, yeah, it's really about proving the the context and the technology that they're developing to ultimately customers. I mean, investors as well are, are certainly part of that. Um, but it's, it's about making those steps towards from we've got an idea to a product that customers are hopefully, you know, shouting and want, want to buy tomorrow off you. Um, and so ultimately it's about getting to that point so the business becomes viable or the business has their new product and a, a new revenue stream. Um, taking as smooth and as few detours on the, on the way on that journey as possible. So part of that is reliability. Part of that is getting feedback on what they're trying and, and seeing, um, are we heading in the right direction? Right, right. Now, I know you work with a fairly wide variety of customers, but at any point in time, you're working with multiple customers in, a, in any one week. Um, what's your approach? Uh, what's the 
you know, what are the common threads, if you like, in, in your way of doing things? Or uh, what do you stand for professionally, if you, if you prefer to answer it that way? <laughs> uh, you know, a big part of it is trying to balance this, this speed and get really fast feedback with designing systems that are going to be reliable and dependable. Um, so, you know, one of the things that, that I really stand for that a lot of people seem to, to, to avoid more is more explicit design and analysis stages. They've always led me down the right route. Uh, and, you know, and that can just be, let's sit down and do napkin calculations on this before, <laughs> before we start writing software. And, and some people would, would, would even skip over that. Um, it's also about looking for, uh, to some extent, boring technology. So, uh, you know, a lot of, I use a lot of off-the-shelf hardware to, to complement this because the software is risky enough. Okay. So, you know, getting hardware that's pre-validated, that's dependable, means that we can focus on the, the riskier parts of the project, which is often in the software or the way that the measurements are, are analysed. Right, right. It does sound as if taking risk out of the process seems to be a fairly significant um, dimension of this. Yes, yeah, yeah. It's it's you can put an awful lot of time and money into something that's a dead end if you don't try and pull tease that risk out of what you're doing early on, wow. uh, and that's what I really want to help people do. Right. So, turning to yourself, what lights your fire professionally? You know, when you look at another year or another five or ten or whatever of of doing this, <laughs> um, what turns you on? Um, yeah, you know, I think from my point of view, what, what's really exciting right now is about um, being able to offer more to customers in, you know, we've, I've come from a place where it was very at the low end, pulling data in to a system. Uh, what's really exciting right now is, is some new technologies around doing that, which I think will allow me to provide systems that are more reliable and give my customers more options in the way that we use that technology. Um, so for example, I've been working more with uh, different languages. I started out very much as a LabVIEW developer, um, working with different languages that complement that, that uh, give us some more capabilities, but also helping customers make more sense of what is coming out of these systems. So, you know, not just giving them the, like, like said earlier, fire hose of data, but actually spending a lot more time with them and understanding what, what are you going to end up doing with this? And what is, uh, what can we do from the start to make that process easier? Yeah. Now we've just been through this, you know, uh, historic pandemic time. And I, I know your, your customer focus has served you well because you've been really busy all the way through that. Probably the, the envy of many people who might <laughs> be watching uh, this. Where, where do you get your business from? What's, uh, I mean, I'm not asking you to name sources, but you know, what's the, um, what are your principal sources of, of business without necessarily having to name the people? <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, I, I'm very lucky in having, um, you know, a good relationship with, with a network of people in this area. So referrals are generally my, my main source of business. You know, people um, have, thankfully associated my name with being a, a uh, reliable and useful provider of these services. And, and that's generally uh, served me better than anything else. Mm -hmm. um, and, and 
when I do then get these customers, you know, generally speaking, I, it's not a, a month's job. It's will be continuing to work together for a long time. So actually building those very close relationships with customers. Um, it's not a new source of business, but it, it, it keeps it ticking over as well. You know, it'll be moving on to the next project or the next project. So there's an awful lot of referrals, awful lot of repeat business is, is what really drives uh, a lot of it for me. As you know, I've been asking that question to many people. Um, it's, it's my job, right? <laughs> and it's extraordinary how, when it, despite everything that's said about social media, and I know we're on one of those platforms, and despite everything that's said about you know, new ways of getting business, et cetera. The, for so many people, both in technology, in project management, in law, in finance, in, in accounting, um, the, the, it is still relationship, relationship, relationship that seems to be the, the, perennial, the perennial source. Um, with those people, with the relationships on, on which you depend, um, what are you known for? Um. You know, I, I had a really nice <laughs> comment recently from a customer. I, I'm not always the best at asking for feedback and I should do more of it. Um, but um, I had a great customer, uh, one for a customer the other day, said, oh yeah, um, said, X said I, we should get you in for this project. He said, once you've done it, it just works. <laughs> and um, it's, it's one of those things, I'd always hoped that's what people would say. It's the first time I've actually heard someone say it. Um, you know, I think I'm known for, you know, really focusing on producing something that is reliable that people can uh, not building a dependency on me you know um what's the phrase helping people then then stand on their own two feet where they need to um but also taking ownership of problems as well uh, that, that's been another one piece of feedback i've had um you know for a few people it is you know if we come to you with a problem it's not just a get this bit, uh, what's the right phrase, you know, pinging the answer back to them. Well, that bit's not my problem. It's, it's, uh, and I think it's part of that reliability as well. It's, it's taking an ownership of, the, of the, the problem space and coming up with solutions or feedback um, and, and helping people move forward. Um, and yeah, just produce, working well with the technology, producing reliable technology. Um, your, your commitment to that really runs right consistently through this conversation uh, that commitment to reliability you know? yeah 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 it's it's there's this kind of assumption that software has bugs and, and there's always a bit of that you know it's a complex system but uh, i've always felt like people lean on that a little bit too much <laughs> um instead of really thinking about uh where's the reliability technology and it's designing it well for the customer some of that reliability is making sure the customers can use it efficiently so they don't click on buttons in a way that can cause problems for example well a last question before i try to find the buttons by which we <laughs> end the uh, end a linkedin live what does the term professional identity what does it mean to you to me it's it's really um it's one of those things as you dig into it there's more and more layers to it i think it's a combination there's obviously the very surface level of i am a xyz or i help xyz people um but actually it is a lot more when you deal with people about i think that approach aspect is really important as well and actually that is what people remember and speak about a lot more than than, than what you do um, maybe that's a, a problem with the technology space as well. <laughs> it's a little bit more opaque, but um, 
you know, I think it's about that attitude and approach to, to customers where, you know, to me and a peer could both call ourselves software developers, but the way we tackle that will be different and will suit different people. Right. And I think that that matching those two things with a customer uh, is, is kind of what forms that identity. Super. Super. Many thanks, James. Very uh, intriguing conversation. Um, I have known you for a few years. I've uh, seen how your business has not only grown, but thrived during the, during the pandemic. And, and I think you're a wonderful example of, you know, for, for many people, the professional identity summons up this kind of celebrity uh, cult thing that, you know, oh, we have to have 100,000 followers on LinkedIn. And actually, in reality, you know, for the vast majority of the successful professionals I know, it is about a reputation. It is about relationships. It is about being known for something, uh, for, for the problems we solve. And uh, I think you've given us a, a wonderful illustration of that today. Thanks ever so much for joining us. I'll now try and figure out which buttons I need to push to actually bring <laughs> this to a close. Bear with me, love. <laughs>